right, welcome back to another edition of uh, Mormon Expression. The microphones are have been pulled out of the closet and heated up, and Dust the room is heating up. Welcome back, everybody. First of all, to the um, to my magnificent left is um, Zilpha. Hi, Zilpha. You do have a magnificent left. <laughs> I do. I don't. I don't make shit up like that. That's, that's well. Hello, John, and everybody. Yeah. Uh, good to have you back, Zilpha. I'm nervous. You're nervous? Yeah. It's okay to be nervous when you're new. Um, I'm not new. I'm old. Ri- Rich? Hi there. Welcome back, Sir Rich. Thank Rich, you, Rich, a fabulous member of the board of directors of That's Whitefields, right. the parent company of uh, Mormon Expression. Good to be here. Thank you. We are putting a bid in for um, Twinkies. I heard that Hostess is selling off its yeah. brands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, so are they going to be unavailable now, or...? I'm sure somebody else will buy will buy them, but they won't be the same. You remember, like um, a- the uh, animal crackers? Uh huh. You know when mothers went out of business, but they they sold off the brand. Don't fear. Okay, you'll be All able right. to get your munchie you. munchie fix. I'm settled. Thank you. <laughs> and then we have a fabulous uh, studio audience who, as they uh, grab the mic, will uh, will 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 we'll have them um, introduce They'll entertain themselves. us with their wisdom. Welcome to Studio Fist in Your Face. Is it all you dreamed about? <laughs> Yeah. Probably hotter than they Overwhelmingly, yes. Okay, so um, um, the the reason, one of the reasons we're recording is I threw a challenge out there um, for uh, uh, fundraising, and I said if we raised, uh, for every $100 we raised, I would record a podcast before the end of the year's, year, and uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, we raised all $600. So for the next uh, few Sunday nights, we'll be here coming at you back again um, with the old uh, with the old crew. Sweet. We are committed. We are committed. Um, and that kind of leads in, into the topic. Um, I have in my hand, wow. I was cleaning out some stuff the other day, and I have in my hand uh, my temple recommend. Does not have a barcode on it. It does not have a barcode. As a matter <laughs> of fact, it, it was issued, the issue date um, is June 2002. I will pass it around the room. Um <laughs> Which means that, that um, it has been 10 years, 10 years gone since I got my last temple recommend. And that, um, I've been thinking about that a lot this year. This year has been a year of reflection and introspection for myself. And um, I found that a few, a few uh, months ago, and I've been thinking about it since. Because um, 10, 10 years is a long time. Uh, on, we're not here on this green planet for very long, and 10 years is a good chunk of it. And that 10 years represents a lot of change for me. And, um, and I, I've been, you know, fairly intimately involved. I, I, I first got on the boards, um, the online, you know, um, damn you, damn you, whatever, <laughs> the um, disaffected Mormon underground. You know, in about 2003, I was still uh, an active member, and that's when I first started participating um, in various roles on the boards. So, so I've been sort of, it's been about nine years now that I've been actively observing and involved in the ex-Mormon community. And um, that's, that's sort of what we want to talk about today. One of the questions that, that, that is, is fundamental to everyone who's had a crisis of faith is the question of recovery, the question of getting better. Um, and I don't mean to start off the whole discussion here um, from the bowels of pessimism, <laughs> but um, I've become convinced it's impossible. Um, it's not something that can be done. But that's with some caveats, because there are 
circumstances that would better lend themselves to full recovery. The, right. there, there's, there's healthy living. For, yeah, would for you think it would be healthy if it could be done? I, I like, <laughs> I like uh, many before me have wished that I could become a, um, a non-Mormon. A never-Mormon. A never-Mormon. <laughs> that, I, that I wish I could extract it, it, it all from my, myself and from my being. And so many have tried. And if you if you if you hang out in any of the groups or on the board in post Mormon or or in the you know the Mormon Expression VIP lounge or whatever, about every month there'll be somebody who dramatically with a flare and gusto dis, dis, claims that they are done with this and they are moving on and yada 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 and they're always they always return they always come back. Mm. Um, well, the thing is that even if you're ready to move on, it's all around you. If you live in Utah. And even if you don't, you have family members who are, and you've got all these psychological vestiges as well that pop up, and they pop up unexpectedly, and it's not like you can just suppress all of that because it pops up. So hmm. let me ask, what's the definition of recovery? That's a, um, is my question. Well, I, I, I think I think that's a, that's an excellent um, question. There, that was Cody. Hey, Cody. Welcome Yo, to hello. Studio 1A. Oh, yeah. Hi, Cody. What's up? You look very good. Thank you. Hey, um, so in our culture, we have um, a metaphor of time, of time as a journey. And we talk about the past being behind us. We talk about walking the, – the, 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 the metaphor, the shared cultural metaphor is that we're walking down a path and the future is in front of us and the past is behind us. And you'll see this metaphor come up over and over again. That's, that's a cultural construction we have. That's not a universal construction. Um, there are other cultures that view um, the journey through time as walking backwards, um, meaning you're walking down the path with your back to the future because you can't see what's coming in front of you. You can't see the path that you're about to tread on. But what you are doing all the time is surveying where you've been. Your view, your vista is constantly this... Um, the, 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 the sum total of every step you've taken, of all the places that got you to wherever you are right now. And I think that's a more apropos, um, apropos, apropos, apropos <laughs> um, model because we are constantly in our minds and we're, it's, we're, we're, we're wired to be thinking about and be processing and relating everything in conjunction with everything that has happened to us. And, and that can't and be extracted. Yeah, I mean, if we didn't have that that um, feature, we wouldn't learn. That is how we learn, and that's how we know that we're growing. If we never s- can see where we've been, we don't know where we are. Yeah, um, and for somebody like myself, who spent 34 years in the church, in various stages of belief, and trying to make it work all the time until until, until I left, I was always trying to make it work. That that invades almost every aspect of those thirty-four years. Hmm. I mean, my education was at BYU. You know, my marriage was in the temple. Um, you know, my nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. I was on a mission um, as a young man. As a teenager, you know, my Tuesday nights were at Mutual, and my Sundays and were at church, and it just and, and well, and even our children were adopted through LDS 
social services, and then they were sealed to us in the temple. Right, and it just it just is so consuming. So again, let me ask: What's the definition of leaving the church? Or like, what is it? What, what is Recovery. exactly leaving it behind I, I, to you guys? I, I don't think there's a hard and fast, and that, that, that's why people sort of struggle with that. There's no, there's no like golden point at which you can say I've left the church. Because even if you, you send that damn letter in, um, we're we're so sur- surrounded by it, and I think this right. year has shown what you know. Because as Mormonism becomes more of a cultural influence. People pay attention to it more. You see that. Even if you had divorced your family and moved to Timbuktu or whatever, if you followed the election at all, I, I was listening to the to the radio this morning uh, on the media, and there was a, a discussion about one of the reporters who was covering the Romney campaign who happened to be LDS. You know, it's, it's just... And, and and for 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 us that grew up in the church, I mean, every time that's mentioned, it brings back this whole flood of emotions and memories and and connection that just that just can't be done. And and the people that I see that try to just sort of dismiss it to and to, pretend that it was never part of them, it doesn't work. Not possible or or, or healthy. To do well, that. when you spend your entire life living that way or fighting against it and time you know going back and forth between believing it and fighting against it you know there's a point where when you start to study it reality sets in you know you go okay look the entire world may believe that joseph smith was a prophet the entire world may believe that whatever nelson receives revelation for the church or whatever but reality is different from that and you look at evidence you look at reality and you can't really deny that it's bullshit. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, and that's where I think the disconnect is for a lot of people. They don't want to face that it's obvious. You know, right. I'm sorry, but no, but that's what, but that's what we're talking about, right? I mean, it's just where you're at. But, because I think the, the the problem is that once you've dismissed it or or come to any kind of terms with it, um, you know, if if you follow sort of a, a new order Mormon or um, you know, um, Delinean model where, where you can kind of make it work. But why? Why are you trying to well, make it work? Well, I mean, let, let's even dismiss that question. You're still confronted with this mythos all the time and people around you all the time. And that 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 dismissing it outright and, and, and realizing all of the error in the religion, all the, all the myth that is really myth, doesn't necessarily help you socially or 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 even intellectually deal with with this history that you have because what you do is you reverse you say for 30 years i believed something that i now believe is false or for 30 years i believed something i now believe is partially true or that is a metaphor or that is whatever it is you you still have this thing that you become detached from and this way that you process the world and interacted and made very heady decisions that you no longer buy into and and it's almost like this is going to sound sacrilege, but it's almost like arriving at the idea that the church is, is or is not true is not really the key issue. It's dealing with the fact that you were part of this thing right. that you are disassociated from. It's your from. role. It's your role. It's yeah. almost like um, trying to completely disassociate yourself from your family that you grew right. up with. Like, yeah. yeah, or like long-term friends. Or your friends, your family. I mean, we're all around this all the time. And it's, it's 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 our world whether or not we want it to be it it's it's the world we live in and you can't divorce yourself from 
everything that you know. But it's it's and and I agree a hundred percent. But it's the world we live in because it's in your head. You know, like if 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 you were to move to to you know someplace where there's no Mormons, you know, and and, and try to live that way, you still have all of that of that of that baggage of who you were and you cannot escape that identity. Well, you, is that really that bad? I mean, Mormonism, I mean, a lot of things about Mormonism is fine. It's great. In fact, it's good. But does that mean we have to reject every single thing we ever learned from it or everything we got from it? I mean, the fact that it's fundamentally false does not mean we have to reject all the good things we got from it. That's kind of how I look at it. I was raised Mormon and I learned a ton of awesome stuff from the Mormon church, but does that mean that it's true? No, not at all. Well, and I think that's part of the dilemma that we all we all go through. It's extremely hard, just like I was talking about, I can't extract Mormonism from my history. And and it's extremely hard to even extract Mormonism from just plain old decentness and good behavior and because it, it colors every every little thing. We give Mormonism a lot more credit than it's due, I think, just as a natural Sometimes, species. yeah, d- d- definitely. I mean, because uh, uh, there's a lot of things that, that, that they do that you can find in, in virtually any any religion, you know, from Hinduism to Protestantism to, to whatever. I think the but, church likes to take things that are good, that they see are innately good, and they try and adopt them and say, look, that's Mormonism. That's us. You I mean, everything that the spirit, tech, you know, spirit, quote-unquote, testifies of is is from us and and that's bull crap you know i mean i don't know yeah. how else to they say they want to claim that's all of the the goodness that hum, humanity naturally has to offer right like i was having a conversation with my buddy last night sorry but he um he was saying you know the church makes me i ripped on brigham young university and just said look he made some comment about byu and football team or whatever and i was like I like I've been a fan of BYU my whole f-ing life and but now when I see Brigham Young University it it really just chaps me like I cannot like Brigham Young I can't be cool with that because I know Brigham Young was a piece of crap so, never Facebook you know? drunk yeah, right. So, 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 <laughs> That's seriously, Cody. Just for a reference, how how long? How, when was the last time you went to church? That's what over a year now. <laughs> a little bit over a year. Fairly, so, so yeah, you're you're, you're you're still you're still fresh in that in that in that stage. And that stage of anger is, is real, and it's it, the the feeling of of being part of a fraud. Uh, you know, people say the the old thing. You know, why do people leave the church? They can't leave it alone because. It's not human nature to be ripped off and not sound the alarm. That's right. Um, it's not human nature. You know, I, I, I've said before to people who said that to me is, what what kind of psychology would that be to spend your whole life in a religion, come and suddenly decide it's true, and then just be able to just walk and not away say a word about it, it. Not, not, not decide it's not yeah, true. That's dumb. Yeah. Um, it's like an insurance company. As Sid was saying, if you if you got screwed over by an insurance company who was being, you know, less than ethical. You're not going to just be quiet about it. You're going to say, oh, you find out somebody also has that same insurance policy? Guess what you're going to do? You're not going to be quiet. You're going to tell them, hey, guess what? These people are full of shit, you know? Well, hey, I know John said this before about, you know, if religion works for you and you're happy, then why not? I mean, it doesn't work for me. It never made me happy, so I left. Well, it's the same reason that you shouldn't bank rob banks if you're happy with it. Um, yeah, you, and that was Brandon. Th- th- hey, Brandon. And then the, hey, Brandon. the female. I, I'm Brandon. I'm an ex-Mormon, but I'm not angry. <laughs> <laughs> the voice before was Angie. Um, so so I, I – it, it's a Brandon. I don't mean to belittle your, your point. It's, it's, it's an excellent point. And what, what I tell people 
um, is if they are happy in the church, do not mess with them. Don't do anything with them. Now, the church itself, I have no problem going after the church. The church is a, is a, is a, is a corporation and, and not a very healthy one at that. But the people of the church, um, be, because the, the psychological trauma, we'll talk about this a little bit more, of leaving the church is, is real. And I've seen it play out in a thousand lives and in my own life, and, and it, 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 is, it, is, it is difficult. Does that mean we should go back? Well, well, well hell no. Um, I think I think the gr- a great metaphor. I was thinking about this the other day for the church. Uh, have y'all read Lolita? Mm-hmm. Um, Nabokov's book, um, and I, I can't remember. What, did, did Angie? Do you remember what the name of the narrator is? I don't. I don't remember the name. All right, so I'll, I'll sum up for all of you who haven't had the pleasure of reading this <laughs> book about um, incest, uh, incest, and creepy pedophilia. Um, <laughs> she read that. Um, so, so, uh, and, but you've, you've all, I'm, I'm sure you. Because of internet porn, you've Probably already heard the word Lolita. Heard um, of it anyway. So, so um, the, the the narrator um, talks about how he gets stuck. He gets fixated on about fourteen year old girls, um, and he 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 ends up marrying a woman and and then having an affair with her daughter. He sleeps with her daughter, Lolita. Um, and then the the mother dies in a in a tragic incident. So he is both her. Um, Caregiver, abuser, and caregiver. Yeah. But he cares for her and he loves her, both as a step as a step parent and the sole, sole caregiver. And he's sexually attracted to her, and he feels responsible for her. Well, she she Lolita eventually leaves him. Spoiler alert: um, <laughs> Lolita leaves him, and she goes on this wild tear of a life. And you know she gets involved in porn and just all sorts of crazy stuff, you know, because she, she was abused when she was a kid. Near the end of the book, um, he, he, he finds her and he's well-to-do and she's living in some trailer park somewhere and she's pregnant or whatever. And he's, he, he feels this compulsion to take care of her, of, to, to provide for her. And I, I can't remember exactly how she says it to him, but she says. So he asks if she'll come back and he'll take care of her. Yeah, yeah, basically. And she says, and she's talking about this guy who had taken, who had stole her away from him in the first She'd place. She'd say yes, right? Well, well, the guy had stolen her, got her, got her involved in pornography and, and, and other things. Yes. And he said, I was still happier with him than I was with you. Lolita the, said the, that. The reason I bring this up is the church was both our protector and our abuser. Um, so for, for ex-Mormons who sometimes walk down forbidden paths... And can get their lives screwed up in a hundred different ways. People say, well, why don't you come back to the safety of the church? Because Wasn't your life better off there? Because you were both our abuser and our caregiver. Mm-hmm. And there's something that's creepy and there's something that's worse about that. And even though you had lots of money and you had lots of means to take care of us, the fact that you were abusing us when you shouldn't have been abusing us makes it so So any other forbidden path, any other form of um, you know chemical slavery or whatever mm-hmm. is better than that, than that form that, that, that we, we had underneath the church and will draw, keep us from ever going, going back. It seems like you're talking about reality again. You know, it's like it doesn't matter how – I don't know who it was, Carl Sagan or something. He said no matter how amazing or how fantastic the myth is, it's not worth – I mean reality is much better. Reality is just as mysterious and it's just as amazing. And why are we pretending like things are a certain way when reality is just as amazing and better, you know? But it can be – it can be bad. It can – we can – 
go places that will hurt us. You have to own your responsibility in right. that place. Be- right. Nobody's mean, taking Zilpha? care of us. Being an ex Mormon is not going to make you happy. Being an ex Mormon well, you know, is not going to make you, you can, happy. You can get no. addicted to things that the church says don't ever touch those. Well, when you touch those and you use them as medication and you get addicted to them, it can be dangerous to your health and it can be dangerous for your family. What's in a good example of that? Canned like fruit. alcohol? Could be or, alcohol. Well, it could ex- be you ex-Mormonism of, has no opinion on anything. Drugs? Should you take a mistress? Should you leave your wife? Should you take heroin? Should you um, put a gun to your head? Should you... Should, just anything in the world... Should you kill someone you're really angry with? Ex-Mormonism has no opinion on it will give you no guidance on any of those so 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 leaving the church does not provide you happiness it doesn't provide you anything there's well, nothing the to take care does. of you right well just, just take a second though because the church doesn't do anything for you in those examples that you said anyway they say pierce your ears this way they well, say but, yeah they, say, they tell you what to do and what not to do but but, but, but on minor afterwards, scales the, unless you Join another religion that tells you what not to do or what to do. But they don't, they Why don't does explain. religion have to tell us what to do? Why well, can't the, we decide well, for that's ourselves? The thing. Z- Zilpha okay, and I, that's not okay. Zilpha and I have had the that's opportunity the to meet lots of um, very interesting people. There was a couple we met um, who had um, they had been reading the Doctrine and Covenants and they had joined up with um, a polygamist. Called, they'd read DNC 132 and they joined up with the polygamists that are here in Lehigh and Santa Quinn. Um, Cody, what's his face? They're from the television show. That group. Um, they were with them for a while. Um, they were currently trolling. Um, Just a dating site, online d- dating, dating sites, sites, and swinger hookup sites to try to find vulnerable women. This is in their words. To mm-hmm. to these guys had bounced around, and I, I sat and listened to them talk and tell their story. They were just lost in, in the, and it was it was it, their kids were playing uh, when we when we talked with them. Um, we I won't give you all the circumstance where we met up. We met with them on neutral grounds. We'll say that, but their kids were filthy, and they clearly um, you know and, and they didn't look well taken care of. And they as they told their story, just one harebrained scheme to make money after the other. Their lives were a wreck. And I, I remember sitting there thinking, saying, "These guys need to go back to church." <laughs> oh no! Be, because they 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 they, they weren't they were making it on their own. Miserably, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I I agree. I don't think it's for everybody. I think people need to find their own way out. Well, it, you know, it's it's like it's like marijuana. Or their own way to survive this life that is difficult. I'm all about science. Yes, I you that's are. Your way, that that's your way of surviving the life. People to leave without knowing. What's really reliable in life, and well, that is science. Well, Cody, what does science or tell you about drinking alcohol? It tells you it's going to screw your liver over if you drink too much. Right, and and a certain percentage of people will will become addicted to it, and a certain right. you know you yes. know. But but science doesn't tell you to do it or not do it. That, I, I think that's and the, they that's, can't it can't tell you exactly how much you can drink to not get addicted and not hurt your liver. Yeah, but it can tell you a range of amount of alcohol that you can drink that is. Safe. You know, sh- but it could the it could not be safe. Says the pharmacist. <laughs> yeah, like I think he knows. I mean, you have to. You just don't know. It. It's uncertain. If you want to die of liver cancer, then drink a 750 ml of rum every night. Bottom right, line. But most people won't do that. Well, but then those but, people will be okay, likely. <laughs> likely, that's the thing, though. There's no certainty. If you never no drink at all, you know you're not going to injure your liver with alcohol. Right. So we should join the Mormon Church and 
be baptized. And then there's plenty and, of certainty. Yep. Well, but, but, but what no, it does... The, there's an insert uncertainty that you have to embrace. So... What's wrong with that? Uh, what the thing that's well, wrong difficult. with it? The thing that's hard about it is: was it Jefferson that said the price of um, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance? Let me, I'll find the quote. Eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. It's, it's Ida B. Wells. The idea still holds true, which is to be free, you have to constantly be managing it. Okay. The problem once you leave the church, and I've seen this play out in a thousand lives, is the church says, don't drink alcohol. The church says, go to bed early. The church says this, 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 this. And what it does is it frees you from thinking about those things. You do not have to decide every Friday night if you're going to get drunk or not. And and, and alcohol is a trivial example, actually. But there are headier moral questions that run into that that when you abandon a, a stricture a stricture like the church has, you have to take on moral agency. And, and and that's what's funny because it turns the church's teaching completely on its head because what the church does is it dismisses you from moral agency because it says we will tell you exactly what to do and when to do it and what not to do. And like, yet they like, say the greatest um, gift from God to man is free agency. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you probably the biggest example I see playing out in you to exercise mm-hmm. it. The biggest example playing out in ex-Mormon lives is marriage. When you get married in the temple, you are married forever. And if the marriage is crappy, if the marriage is boring, if the marriage is not um, meeting your needs, well, you first of all have an eternity to work that out anyway. So so that doesn't matter. Right, still. Um, you know, like if if you're having sexual dysfunction or whatever, it doesn't matter because in the long run, you know, you have the eternities to work that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you leave the church, and especially if you go into the route of atheism, there is no compelling reason to stay together if except not- except your choice to stay together. And in a sense, then, you have to keep deciding over and over and over and over again to stay with that person, mm-hmm. which can be valuable to the relationship, but it can be morally exhausting. It's well, honest either way, though. It's honest either way. If you have to it's sit more honest. every night, if you have to sit across from your partner and say, do I want to be here right now? Uh-huh. That's honest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm saying it's a better way to live your life. Mm-hmm. It's but it's exhausting. It's more no, it's, it's, it's the shit. It's super exhausting. And it, I was saying this the other day to a girlfriend. My life is wonderful and I love it, but it's so much more complicated than it was before when someone else was telling me exactly what to do, A, B, C, and D. Now, every day, A, B, C, and D, I have to make decisions about what I do and how I do it and who I do it with, where before, someone told me it was boring, but a lot less complicated. It wasn't your life. No, that's true. I kind of look at it like if that's if that's okay with you, <laughs> then maybe that's what you should be doing. If that's if that's if that satisfies you to have someone else tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing all the time, then maybe you belong in the church. Well, yeah, yeah, and and that's why religions evolve. Yeah, I just recently ran into a sister missionary who was a good friend of mine on my mission, and I told her that I had left the church, and her first reaction was. The church is what keeps my marriage together. It's horrible, but but we're still together. And I just I just was wow. face palm and just I was <laughs> I felt so bad. Like I didn't know what to say. That was her only reason for staying in the church was that she could stay in a bad marriage. And the only reason to stay in the bad marriage was because she was still in the church. <laughs> but but I, I will give the church this: a lot of problems we run into in life are transitory. What one thing that religion does is it provides social glue. 
because um, I, I was I was reading a book recently on free will, and the the author pointed out is about um, um, mind physiology and free will. And the author pointed out the free will is something we only want for ourselves. We actually don't want you know I want Zilpha to be completely predictable. I want to know when she's coming home. I want to know how she's going to react. And we want people around us to, to interact with us in a certain way. We don't like people who are completely free, who are completely unpredictable. If, 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 if Cody says he's going to show up to the poker game, I want him to show up at the poker game with $10 in his pocket. Is that free will? Um, so so, so, so the, what religion does is it takes and it, 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 it lowers the teenage pregnancy rate, potentially. Now, we can argue about whether that's true or not because the problem with religion is a lot of it is smoke and mirrors, right? And the organizations start serving themselves rather than the individual. But there is a social good that we all experience by having others socially engineered to behave in a certain way that benefits us. And that's, that's the, really the negative part of religion. But when you cut everybody free and everyone in this room has seen people who have left the church and have started making um, one – piss poor decision after another that have long-term ramifications. Speaking of long-term ramifications, decisions that we made in the church, we knew what the long-term ramifications were going to be. We knew if we did the things that the church asked us to do, we would get this eternal reward. And if we didn't, then we'd get a lesser reward because <laughs> everybody gets rewarded. It's like endure to the end, you know? What am I enduring exactly? Right, but why am I enduring anything if I only have one life to live? When you when you're out of the the church, you make a decision. You don't know what the long term ramification is going to be. It's very unclear. But in the church, you knew what you were doing was going to result in a good in a good <laughs> something later. Right. So Did when you, you really say, know when, that though? When you say only one life to well, live, yeah. how, Why, Cody? Like, what are you talking about exactly? So, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I have seen enough people leave the church to say that probably the divorce rate for people leaving the church, even if they both leave together, is probably pushing 75%. Do you, and the reason is... I'd question it, but the, not to say you're wrong, but I'd question it. The, the reason is people get married young at 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. They're, when Check. they're out of the church for a while, then they look at their partner and say, I've only got one life to live. I've only ever fucked one person. Check. And 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 I've got thirty years left, and that's a long time. Yeah. And that's a long time. Um, and and I've seen that 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 sort of thinking comes up again and again. And it's it's not wrong thinking, but it can it can destabilize people's lives because they can suddenly say, "Holy shit, I've only got thirty years left." It, and and I, I and everything. I just need to go a lot of people. Yeah. So what's the difference that doesn't between make sense that and to midlife me. crisis? I mean, why are we talking about Mormonism right now? I, I because Mormonism is what we are. Most people <laughs> have a lot of people no, I, before right. they get married. I, yeah. So right. that's the difference. I, I think it's right. true, and I think I think so, you have a good point. I think a lot of people. I, I don't think it necessarily solves the problem, but for a lot of people, they go out and figure out who they are, and then that's the life they settle into. Because in college, they try different things out. And they, then they, they choose a partner that sort of fits who they've figured out or a lifestyle are. or whatever for a lot of us we were just sort of we pushed right into one thing mm-hmm. after the other and the assumption is that that's different from someone who goes out and is promiscuous with a lot of people mm-hmm. and then finally finds somebody they get married to i don't think it's much different really one's healthy one's like laid in front of you i think the only difference is one person doesn't realize that what they have is no different from what the other people have you, cody you have an excellent point but i think one of the problems is the ex-mormonism clouds people's thinking 
And I think what happens, and we all, we've all seen this, there's people who leave the church and they become an inverse. They become the, the, the opposite of what they, they, they flip really, Mormonism. They become so, 18 again. So what, whatever Mormonism yeah. said not to do, they're going to go do it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do it just because they are an ex-Mormon now. Yeah. Right? Well, and, why not? Well, just because they're not a Mormon. Well, yeah. and, and I, I mean, I've seen I've seen college educated people like do things like take heroin. All right, you, you know, you 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 don't do stuff like that. I mean, be, be, no, because because sketchy. that doesn't that doesn't make any sense, right? No, do not do that. <laughs> <That's> stupid. <laughs> Kitty has claws. <laughs> so, so, so. I mean, I mean, just, 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 just crazy off the hook stuff. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I have seen, I, I, I have, I have seen men and women who are go to church on Sunday who've left the faith, um, serially like pick up people at bars and sleep with person after person after person after person on the DL. And it's it's just it's just like whoa hold, hold on I mean you have you have a fourteen year old kid at home you know this this is this is going to to, to bite you um, be, and and I think that one of the things is is the, the and it still goes back to the church but the church and reacting to the church clouds vision and I'm not trying yeah. to make moral pronouncements no, yeah. whether right is whether it's right or wrong it's still pretty immediate it's pretty irresponsible to just jump. Through those kinds of hoops that quickly, the result time is the great variable, right? Right. I mean, you need to just let the time settle and you right. let yourself settle into who you are. Find out who you are outside of the church. Yeah, and so the but that's a hard thing to land on, absolutely, because it takes a long time to longer than I've been alive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Do you ever do you ever really land on who you are? No, I don't think it's possible. That's not, there would be no fun in it. Who you yeah, are? Yeah, yeah. What would happen if you did that? Yeah. Your life would be lame after yeah, that. You'd be a Mormon after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. Right? Like, I, mean, that's I knew who saying. I was Isn't when that I was what it's all about? Yeah, you know exactly what you it wanted, where you wanted to go. Clear. <laughs> where you were before you And were now here. everything is unclear. <laughs> so, so, I mean, what we're talking about is the ex-Mormon rum, rum springer, which is extremely uh-huh. common, um, which is... Y- you well, first explain rum springer... Oh, <laughs> in yeah. terms of Amish. So, so Rumspringa is a, uh, and I'm probably mispronouncing it. It's like ger- Germanic. Um, it, for 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 the Amish, they have a tradition where they raise their their children in the faith, um, like uh, like you do. But they say you can't become, you can't join the faith until you're an adult. So what typically happens is around about eighteen, it's sixteen. I think it's actually a little bit young. It is. They, they, young. they get cut loose, and they're expected to even go into the city and go go try the world for like a year, right? Um, well, well, they they, they can't until join until they're, they're eighteen or nineteen, back. right? So they've got time, and they yeah. have, they have rules like you have to be free from addiction, like and because they don't drink and they don't smoke and all that kind of stuff. But the idea is these kids go and th- there's documentaries about this out there, like the devil. I'm only basing all this on Kingpin the movie, and I don't oh. think that I, <laughs> I don't think I'm qualified. So so these kids go out and they have raves, and they you could talk to the, like the Pennsylvania they police. They try out a bunch of they, stuff. They get really involved in drugs and mm. sex and everything, and then but the, they're expected to the majority. Majority of them actually go back to the faith, but that, that, that's that's a, that's a side point. But they're expected to go out, and, and and so they know what they're giving up. They know what choice that, that they're made. Um, I just use the word because um, he, because they go out and they go a wilding. <laughs> they try everything, and there's usually a stage that most ex Mormons go through. Some of them go through it right away. Some of them go through it very um, slowly. And, and and what it is, and it's not necessarily they have to sample everything, but that what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to reconstruct their entire moral basis. 
and and I, I would assume if you if you slip out of Mormonism and become a Jehovah Witness, you don't have to go through this. But if you if you lose religion, you are going to have to reconstruct painfully every moral that you have. And that's what you're saying, atheism, right? I mean, that's that's so. If you go that far, then you really do have to deconstruct every single moment, yes. every single thing. Well, I feel like as I was growing up, I was constructing my morals and then trying to conform them to what the church was teaching, and that's what inevitably led me to leave the church was that they couldn't line up anymore at all. I didn't need to, once I left Construct My Morals, I already had them. Yeah, yeah I mean, to, to some extent. Uh, but but it invades everything. Politics and what you watch on TV. and What you let your kids watch. I think the thing that makes it more complicated for ex-Mormons is that not only are you dealing with your baby vampireness and experimenting with everything, but you're also dealing with all the anger and the hate and the sadness and the depression from leaving all this behind and being lied to for 20 years and mm. all of that. And so mm-hmm. it's more than just being a 19-year-old normal teenager as a 40-year-old. It's it's everything. And it's a lot of baggage and stuff to deal with. And you have, like, unlimited resources. Right. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty rad. <laughs> unlimited resources, like money coming out your ears. And yeah, stuff. right? I mean, imagine, like, being 16 and because that's your whole goal when you're 15 or 16 is to try and define who you are. And when doing that when you're 30, it's you kind of have a little bit more ammunition. Well, well, the, the, well, I mean, you yeah, have, but you have, have a, a lot more on the line too. That's true. Especially if that's you very true. have a spouse and children. But you have an excellent yeah. point. If 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 you're if you're a reasonably normal person at 40, um, uh, you want drugs, you can get drugs. You want sex, you can get sex. You want all, at 19, it's actually harder to score some of those things than, than because you don't have the resources or the means to to to, to get them. And um, you know, you 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 have this world in front of you. And and oftentimes it starts just with coffee. I'm, I'm going to sound like a conference <laughs> talk. But, but you know, once, once, once you realize, once you realize that you can the gateway drug. <laughs> that then then you have to you at some point you have to hit your own barrier. But but life is a journey, and I think for a lot of people, I think this is sort of what you were saying, Cody. You can kind of go through it and say, well, I'm going to, I I can make those decisions that go, but. It's really hard without a religious basis to make a decision to make it stick. Why? Mm. Why is that so you hard? Have to, what would it be? Character? Well, like, what would it know, stick to? I have Why some friends so who, who, who um, drink to maybe excess sometimes, and then they say, oh, we better back off on the, the drinking for a while. Ah, lovely common sense some, and reality. But but then they go back to the drinking because they're like, well, what, you know, it's, it's not fun. that bad. We can handle it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I, I think I think there's things and like it's natural. Well, there's no decision morally. Well, there are few decisions morally. Like I don't think it's ever right to kill somebody because you're angry with them. But there are lots of decisions that will you'll never never settle on a hard fast rule. Like I will never drink more than three drinks in one night. That kind of rule. It doesn't stick, like John said. No, but you could say I'm not going to plan on drinking more than three drinks two days in a row or whatever it is. I'm not going to say what the rule is. Yeah, but then <laughs> for you... everybody, you know, you don't want to drink six, you know, a six pack every single night or a, a fifth well, you of don't, vodka you, every you don't night. want to, but then if you do it, did you do something morally wrong? I'll give you. I'll give you an example. Why one do that comes you have up. to make a rule like that? Why can't you just say, "Okay, that was clearly too much." That's what Am I'm saying. Is there are no hard and not. fast but rules? But do I want to do it tomorrow? No. It's all. It's all um, constructed, and it's a constant process trying to figure it out. 
Yeah. I think the basis has to be trusting yourself, though. That's been a big thing for me because I feel like I put all my trust, all my faith in the church. Now that I've stepped away from it and realized I can trust myself. I know when something's good. I know when something's bad. I, I, I really like that. But I've come to the point where I know when I, I'm not to trust myself. Yeah. I know that I've learned that too. Trusting yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's knowing when you can't trust yourself. Right, right, right. And you also have to take responsibility for your shitty. Well, decisions. that's what we're at. That's the whole point. Well, I, 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 I think, yeah, I think if to go to go full circle, I mean, we could talk about, about you know, all these different circumstances you run into. And it does happen. I mean, you decide, say, drugs are stupid. Drugs can get me in trouble at work. Mm-hmm. Drugs are illegal. And you make that decision. And then you're at a party with a bunch of, um, you know, well-to-do 50-year-olds who are have a hookah or an inhaler or something and those decisions don't stick and that that's that's what i meant when i, I when i said you have to redecide all the time and oftentimes it's because the moral basis you were making the decision on the first place might be faulty mm-hmm. um and 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 but that there's a responsibility to that there's an ownership of that and making the decision and having responsibility is important and it's an important part of being a grown up and, ma- and navigating this world it doesn't necessarily make you happy mm-hmm. and that's what religion that's what religion is selling all the time it's saying if you follow these rules x y and z you will be happy but what we've all discovered is it's bullshit mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there you you i guarantee you that all you people leaving the church you will meet a happy adulterer Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and it'll, mm-hmm. it'll blow your mind when you meet them that they they do it and they're they're perfectly fine and and then you'll meet other people who are happy potheads and you'll meet people who are following all the rules and doing everything the way they should and they're miserable mm-hmm. and it's it's just and and just just things are not as simple and if you go to the church they're all zombies in there right you know that's yeah. that they're selling happiness but they're not really delivering. So we're saying press on. Yeah. So so then the prescription for happiness is just owning yourself. Well, happiness is a transitory phase. It, the prescription you can't is be happy. It, it doesn't exist. What? <laughs> you can feel happy in the on moment. Occasion. You gotta you gotta set you gotta set the the guidelines every day. For me, I'm a strong believer in happiness is a choice. I think we always have that choice, even when your life is shit and nothing's going right. You still have that choice to say, I'm either going to choose to be happy and deal with things that are coming my way, or I'm going to be miserable. And what do I want to be? Do I want to be miserable if I can choose between happy and miserable? If you can choose between happy, happy and miserable, you if need you Jesus. Can, then you can. Then, then you're lucky <laughs> you don't have much not, of a choice, really. Well, not all people can is, choose that. Is choosing, miser- is choosing misery really a choice? I mean... Well, and there's yes. a, a, a lot of it is chemistry. It. Yeah, a lot mm, of it is what's going on in your brain. Um, yeah. I don't buy it. You don't buy it. Buy that. You guys can attack me. Buy that. What don't you buy? Chemistry bullshit. I buy. We have control. Wait, wait, wait! Stop. You don't believe in clinical depression. I believe in clinical depression. Sure. Do I believe that people have the ability to get themselves out to make the choices they need to make to get out of it? I do. Sometimes they need you, a little bit of jump Yeah, if start, you've never though. been right. in a clinical depression, you might not yeah, be able to yeah. sympathize. I was clinically depressed, and I'll say that as soon as I left the church, it cleared up. <laughs> so, well, Wait, today? Is this <laughs> no, <laughs> once I wrapped my head around the idea that I was leaving, oh, um, I think, he, he I think just the resigned clouds today. When we talk about depression, yeah. we're talking about a lot of things. I mean, there are physical, physical problems with the brain. 
that will cause people to feel certain ways. Because you sometimes about, like we can schizophrenia, we can or induce bipolar. Then yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. We there, there's, if you're talking there's, about regular depression. My personal opinion is that you know a lot of people buy into. Well, that's because you used a weasel gonna, word. You said gonna, regular. regular. Your what type of depression. depression. Yeah. <laughs> oh, depression. Period. Well, but you're not an authority on the subject, brother. How much of it is our own choice and how much of it is us convincing ourselves we don't have a choice? None, in my opinion. If you don't have a choice, then why do you need to tell yourself you don't have a choice? If you, if you, why not always try and tell yourself you have a choice? I think well, people do try to do that. I think yeah. everybody who's depressed, nobody wants to be there. And they all say, "Hey, I'm going to feel better today." And then they're like, "I just can't." And everybody goes through goes through phases, and that that goes to the the point I was trying to make that there's no silver bullet, and and you're going to wake up some point and not be happy with what's going on in your life, with what's going on in your relationship, what's going on, whatever. And some some of it can be external. And, and one, one thing we did as Mormons, at least what I did, is I would pretend I was happy when I wasn't. And is people, that happiness? No. No, but I would try to convince myself I was happy doing things that I wasn't happy doing. So what's better, pretending you're happy or finding every single ounce of responsibility on your own part that you can take and trying to change every one of those things? And if you can do every single one of those things and change and you still are depressed, then, yeah, maybe you need to go talk to a doctor and get on something. Well, I, mean, well, I wasn't that, depressed, but I was pretending to be happy. Yeah. I was trying to be happy. That's something can happen like you can lose your job. In a situation or- that it was... You know, it, I just wasn't happy doing. Yeah. Like, well, just pretending to be happy isn't always the solution. No. We're all talking about a religion that we've grown up in, and we're probably talking to a lot of people that are depressed, and it's a real thing. So, yeah. right, right. Get yourself I'm checked pre- out. I'm not saying Turn your head and cough. For sure. It is you're I, good. Right. I probably depressed myself. Heck, I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I'm not always super happy. <laughs> on, the, on this podcast and in other areas out there, we tend to focus on evaluating the truth value of the church. There's really, in terms of, and this goes for if you're leaving the church or finding a, a comfortable middle way, This the same model goes. So so I'm going to talk about in terms of leaving the church, but I, I don't want you all to think I'm just talking about that the solution is, is leaving the church. Because this goes, for anybody who goes through any kind of crisis where they... They, they, it's, it's like you get jarred out. It's, it's, it's like you're sitting there watching a movie. I, I, have you ever been in, watching a movie that you're really in, into, and you're just sucked in, and then something happens, somebody coughs, somebody says something, and then you just, get, you just get pulled out of it. So, so that, that circumstance happens to people in the church. So, so you either can get back in, some people can, or you're going to have to resolve it. When, when, sorry, when Sidney and I first started doubting, it was kind of like that. We were like, it was almost a joke. Not, it was almost like surreal, like, what if the church is not true it was almost like a joke kind of like can you imagine how crazy that would be right right you know what i mean like based on how much how faithful we are right now and how completely we believe it can you imagine how crazy that would be and you know it kind of started us thinking like geez we have a lot of cognitive dissonance right now we should probably clear that up because that would be crazy it'd be freaking (laughs) insane you know and turns out, guess what? It's not. You know? and, and it is difficult to deal through those things. And, and that's why things like Mormon Expression and a lot of other resources out there exist to help people through that phase. It is, it is a tough phase to get through because you have to do some deprogramming and you have to ask some very difficult questions. That It's almost like your mind is not wired to ask. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to keep sort of rebooting the system over and over again. And, and I think that's very important. And there's a lot of support out there and things are getting better. Well, a lot of people... When it first happens, they feel 
literally like maybe they're crazy mm-hmm. and yeah. and maybe i did the very isolated alone. very, very alone. alone so 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 that's that's the first thing for people leaving the church the first need i'm i'm talking about there's two real needs that everybody has and that first one is to intellectually or emotionally and and it depends on where you are on the scale like the the dialogue te- tends to be dominated by people who are really intellectual but there's for a lot of people leaving the church is more emotional than it is. I think for most of us we fall somewhere on that that scale, yeah. and you have to process through both of those, accepting emotionally the idea that the church is not true or it's not what it says, as well as accepting intellectually. So that's the that's the first phase. But that emotional acceptance can hit you in the face mm. out of nowhere. Yes. Oh, oh, absolutely, yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, much harder. And I think, too, there's an element of an uh, embarrassment, you know, because so much in the church we hear, I know for a fact, I know with every fiber of my being, you know, and to say that you doubt that, like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you get it right, you know? And so uh-huh. getting over that embarrassment is hard, too, to come out to people around you, you know? Well, and, 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 and for failure, you know, because the, the church is set up, the whole program is set up so you can't succeed. Um, you can't fail either. I mean, as long as you're in the church, you won't fail. Right, it's a double bind. Like you say, they program that into you. So if you doubt, if you leave or whatever, you know, you don't pay your tithing, your house is going to burn. You're going to lose right. your job. Like all these horrible things happen. Yeah, you, so you, you it's, say it's, it's a scary step. It's set up so you can't fail. It's set up so you can't fail if you follow all the steps. Exactly. But all the steps are designed so you can't follow them all. That's that's it's set up so you yeah. can't win as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You right. Can't, yeah. Right, right. Well, they and do it, that so you feel guilt, so you continue to go to learn how you can. You know, like avoid it's just, that guilt. The, it's yeah. A spiral. Well, and also, also everybody says how scary their life would be if they weren't in the church, and that their life would be, you know, in shambles and. Sure. And, which, and so it's scary it, if you've it's only true to known some extent. the church and you've never known a life outside of the church. It's hard to imagine your life. You know, without because the, it. Because well, they define success. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Especially, I think, in, in Utah as well, you know, where, like, those who, well, I guess it's changing now, but those who used to not be in the church were infidels and just apostates. doing all these horrible things, you know, drinking and gambling, the, the bad part of the population that you don't go towards, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. Okay, so that's that's the first thing that 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 processing, and, and once again, that things were Mormon expression and and a lot of the other resources out there. There's this second part, though, and actually, for the last probably year and a half, two years, it is, it has consumed my thoughts more. So, and that's the structure that the church provides and churches, and this this same discussion we're having here verbatim would apply to Jehovah Witnesses and Baptists and Evangelicals and, and Catholics and, and, and whatever else. That we're really not talking about anything uniquely Mormon here today. Um, but there, we have certain social needs. We have um, a need of a sense of community. We have a need of a sense of belonging. When we talk about those moral decisions that, that, that we need, we need other people. Like our brains e- evolved basically interactively. We, we, we never evolved to like be deciding and doing things on our own. Mor- morality would have always been a function of the group. The culture. That and, 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 and the problem is once you, once you become an ex-Mormon, you're defining yourself in negative space. And that doesn't provide you anything. It's a point I made 20 minutes ago. It doesn't, it doesn't tell you how to live your life. It doesn't give you any social structure. So one thing that we have been, as, as ex-Mormons helping each other, we've been really good and getting better at that first part, that emotional slash intellectual support and helping others deconstruct the church. 
we have been shitty at the second part, and we've all suffered for it. And 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 the it's very hard. This the second one is 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 difficult to achieve. And uh, Zilf and I were talking about this earlier today. I have noticed that there is a tendency in the ex Mormon world to attack anybody who comes at, at with a solution. If if anybody comes in and says, "Say, hey, I'm a Unitarian," um, you can go to the Unitarian Church, or they say, "Hey, I'm into yoga," or whatever it is. <laughs> if if there, there is there seems to be this cultural um, zeitgeist that wants to preserve this problem space that wants to preserve this fucked up ex-Mormon world defined in relationship to the Mormons, and they will I'll give you I'll give you an example. Um, I went on to the to the Salt Lake City post Mormon Facebook board and announced our, our, our Las Vegas. And I got attacked for crossing their group. Now now what those motherfuckers don't know is I'm the I, is I am the um, chairman of the board of the Post Mormon Foundation, but the the, the point is the, the Las Vegas trip we, we talk about in a second was designed specifically and solely for social connection for, for for providing community to folks, and and we specifically banned any formal there was no formal mention of, of Mormonism at all, um, and 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 just. Coming on and doing that in a, in, a, in a territorial sort of way. So anybody who has even decent outreach, there, there is a divide, 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 divide element, which is you can't you can't come in with any sort of solution. So rather than have this, this well, it's like, but this is our space and our solution, and we have to protect it, or even our space and our non-solution. But I think it might, it's not just that there's not a solution. I think it might be fear of being led into something Misled. like the church again, you know, because Absolutely. I know for me, I went to the Unitarian church for uh, a while and then, um, no, it was longer than that. <laughs> anyway, but we, I went there and they recited a chant that they say uh-huh. every Sunday and I got freaked out and I was like, no, I am not doing this again. No you know, chanting. like this has no been hard <laughs> enough to leave one <laughs> weird, you know, cult to, for another. Exactly. Yep. Yep. No, it, it, it. That's why I say the second half of that problem that I define is the difficult problem because I'm afraid that what we're doing, and I saw this with the Unitarians when I when I was a Unitarian, um, you would see lots of older Unitarians. Um, and they'd raise their kids in the Unitarian Church, but you'd very rarely meet somebody who was a born Unitarian. They mm-hmm. were all converts. And the reason is the Unitarians who were raised in church would all – it was such a weak religion that if I'm a Unitarian, I marry a Catholic, I'll usually convert to Catholicism. I won't be a very good Catholic, but I'll convert to Catholicism because it, it doesn't – Or I just won't feel the need as an adult for religion because I never had a strong religion as a kid, and it just doesn't – it's not something that – I need. But why do I, we need it? But on anything an, is my question. Another, th- it's another thing there is biology. That, you know, evolution. Like there, there are different stages that you go through in leaving the church, uh-huh. and I think there is a ton of anger that comes with it. You know, and depending on the stage that you're in, I don't know who attacked you, but they might have been at the earlier stages where no, you no, just no, 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 hate everyone. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've had people come to. <laughs> I've had people to, to your point. I've had people. Come to um, events that that I have paid for, planned, bought the food for, um, done other arrangement, and lectured me on why we don't need anybody doing anything. 
uh, there's people out there who don't realize how much work gets put into the web resources, gets put into the companies, gets put into all, all these things. There, in the ex-Mormon world, unfortunately, there's a small handful of people who are doing tons of work for other people. And those other people are lecturing these folks all the time on why they don't need anything. I mean, if you, if you really think to how much you've consumed – and I, I mean, I'm including myself in this, of what other people have done, you know, you can be on a, at a weenie roast, you know, eating weenies that you didn't pay for in a place that you didn't pay for that somebody set up complaining about how or, or saying, hey, aren't we all great anarchists, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and and that, that, that's that, that second half of the problem is... is th- well, my, like my, you said before, leading any kind of leading... Of ex Mormons is like hurting cats. It, it, it's 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 worse than that. It's like it's like hurting cats who all want to bite you. You know, um, <laughs> is it because we don't have a clear goal in what we're trying to do? And it's I, part I, of it. I, I, th- I think it's that, and I think it's partly because people are fucking clueless coming out of the church. They're well, used to being spoon fed everything, mm-hmm. and they don't realize what it, what it takes to like run a, a church or, or run an, an organization. And I, I hate to be mean here, but the problem is that we need so much. And the thing I was getting at with the Unitarians, the fear I have in our society today, this goes beyond on Mormonism, is there's a growing secularism. But secularism has failed so far. There have been a few um, f- good starts, but has failed to provide the social needs that we evolved a million years with, the things that we absolutely need. We cannot survive on our own. We've let consumerism drive a lot of things, and people people without the proper social relationships, it's it, it, it makes them mentally sick. It's not a healthy and environment. And physically sick. And physically sick. You, people need each other. And so, so what I'm afraid of is we might be moving away from an old religious institution that has become of, of Christianity and Islam and some of these things that have been around for a long time. But we're just making ourselves ripe for it to all repeat itself again because we're not taking care of those basic social needs that the religion evolved to take care of. So let me ask you, is it? Is it better to be a member of the church if you don't believe it, but it's you recognize the value of its social aspect? I, what, what I think we need be to do as, as a because I know as an informed people who adult think of it that way. But my problem is that you're that you're starting all over with the next generation to have to deal with all of these issues yeah. again. We're what, talking about setting parameters for ourselves, what, high and low parameters yeah. for ourselves, and building something outside of. So okay, so we deconstruct Mormonism. Then we have a responsibility to build something else to take care of one another. Responsibility. Do we? Just, just by, I mean, that's just an, an, an innate sense that we have. Cody, you, you have do. responsibility you do. because you sucked off my teat. Yeah. Big time. And, and you need to pay it forward. <laughs> it's not that so, bad. What are you saying? All right. Good question. So, so because I'm, I grew. I mean, I'm not dis. I'm not I mean, saying that's not true. You, but I would you like and, to and all of us have participated further. in in discussions in in, in, in boards. It's not just I'll somebody. Say I would have left the church one way or the other. Period. You 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 would have, but these things gave you an outlet. And I'm talking True. about us all. And and when you talk about these boards, it's not just somebody paid the web hosting fee for post Mormon. Mm-hmm. It's that you have all these pe- pe- people who have been very patient, who were a few steps in front of us. Who, who guided us. Every single one of us has benefited from others who have come in front of us. Mentors. Who have, mm-hmm. who have, who have, who have given us a lot. All, all of us. All of us have. And that's what we're trying to do in general, right? I mean, that's, that's what 
we're all in this sitting in this room for. The reason yeah, that we're, we're recording the reason we're recording again right right now uh-huh. is the world does not need more Mormon expression episodes to take take care of the first half of the problem. Now that problem still exists, and we'll still we'll still work on that problem. What the world needs is help with the second half of the problem, and. And when we you mean more trips to Vegas? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Is, yes, that, that, is that the bottom line? No. Well, <laughs> what's well? So so, and and we've done this in our in our in our own life. Um, I'll I'll give you an example. You know, realizing the need for community, um, with our children. I I had this realization about th- two and a half years ago. My children do not know any elderly people other than their grandparents. Because I don't interact with any elderly people. They just, they just don't exist to my children. Now, when I grew up in the LDS church, there were – I remember there was this guy who would get up every other fast meeting, and he talked about bombing runs over um, Germany. I was bored at the time. Now I wish I could remember every word that he said because here was a guy I, I lived next to you know, who flew B-17s over Dresden, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had this chance to, to interact with people who were older than me, younger people, people in different economic stat- statuses. My kids generally see carbon copies of myself because that's who I make friends with. Other white people who are in the same socioeconomic class who are ex-Mormons who you know casually drink or, or, or whatever, and, and they, don't, they don't interact with this, this other thing. We, we, we don't have that bigger sense of community. So, so we have been working the last um, year, two years to build what, what we call the living community, right? And it is successful now. We can pay the bills. We actually have barely. <laughs> well, the rent on the We actually have um, a, what, what you could say, a church with no belief. That has the structure, that has the programs for the kids, that has community um, that, that we formed. It's here in, in South Salt Lake. I think we have about 70 active members now. Um, but we've taken a lot of heat for doing that. Matter of fact, probably of everything I've ever done, I've taken more negativity from setting that thing up. Even though the thing has no belief. It's, it's, little, it's a little more than a social club and really focused on children. Um, families, not... Families, yeah, families and children. So 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 anyway that my point is that there is this this next wave that I think needs to happen. So when we incorporated we we formed White the Whitefields um, Educational Foundation and with the the charter really has two elements to it. One is to provide information about the church um and that's to help through that first problem. And the second problem the second thing in our charter is to actually build a community and or provide support community and, resources and support to people, and that's the things socially. we've done. We've done weenie roasts, and we've done trip to Las Vegas, and we've done um, a, a a camp out, and we've done a um, uh, the the, like the monthly cruise. gatherings and we, we've live we've done shows. gatherings. And I can tell you, with for, for for at least one person on every one of those has come to me later and said it was a it was a life changing event for them. Um, because of that sense of belonging, that sense of community, that sense of morality that comes from having a community. We all want to be understood, right? Right, right. And that's what it is. Validated. Validated, yeah. yeah. Um, have I convinced you yet, Cody? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, he still wants to go back to church. No. There's no way in hell I'll ever go back to church. <laughs> that's not ever happening. I, I guess my plea is that we all, we all need to pay it forward. Uh, there are others coming out of the church who have gone through what I've gone through and what you've gone through. And I, I've said this before, but one of the things that has propelled me along is that 
when we were struggling up there in Logan, that sense of loneliness that we I felt. Were so lonely. That isolation. Felt- it was so powerful and such a negative influence in my life that it's compelled me to this day to keep working on other. And I am fucking tired of talking about the Mormon church. I, but, but there are people who, who need it. It needs, it needs to be done. I think a huge part of it is the trust factor. When you put all your faith and all your everything, 100% of your soul into an organization, into an idea, and then you realize you just you just got screwed over, you know? And these people are actually hiding a bunch of stuff that makes it very obvious that, you know, it's just, it's heartbreaking and it's hardcore. And a lot of people have a hard time doing anything like that Rightfully ever so. again. I think you're right. And I think that's what I'm challenging us all. We have to push through that. We were burned once, all of us, and we don't want to get burned again. But we have to, we have to be compassionate. Um, so there's a million ways to do it. Um, and go, the, 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 build, be the change you want to see in the world is the thing that Gandhi famously never said, right? <laughs> build the world you want to live in. And, but we're not all builders, um, and that's fine. Find something else. Find another builder out there. There's 60,000. And support them. And support them. <laughs> um, and, and, and help us build something. You know, we, what we've done here with Mormon Expression, we've set up the parent company. We've got our nonprofit status. And we're, we're reinvesting in that. We're moving forward. And we're trying to build and solve these two problems. And we will have false starts and stops, I guarantee. Um, and so uh, I'm announcing today we're starting our Pay It Forward campaign because for a long time um, I was hesitant. I've always been hesitant to ask for money. I've always been hesitant to take money. Um, Mormon Expression has always cost us more than we've ever taken from it, um, Zilpha and I. But what I, what I what we're trying to do is in the next um, few months we, we want to raise $10,000 to cover our operating expenses and to start funding new things to help people um, over the next year. And here's my challenge to everybody out there. Uh, you are all tithe payers. Hmm. W- w- what we're asking for is one month of, of what you paid in tithing. Total? Yeah. <laughs> we did the math. No, it, no. Like, <laughs> like if you paid 10%, 10% for one month, that's it. So, yeah, whatever you paid in tithing per month um, – um, Make a donation to Whitefield for for that, and uh, and you know we'll, we we the the idea is to fund things like Mormon Expression, to fund things like Feminist Mormon Housewives, to fund things like Mormon Expression Voices. If you find value in anything that we're talking about right, right now, that's right. what it's for. And if if you don't have that kind of money, I Weenie understand. Roasts, um, yeah. <laughs> one time donations. Next time it's going to be a sausage fest, though. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I'm out. I'm out. Hey, you're specifically invited to that one. <laughs> out. <laughs> and and we're we're not really looking what we're looking for is to helping people sort of rebuild their lives and build community and build that connection to make that 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 healthy start. And you should know that the the administrative um stuff powers <laughs> no the administrative <laughs> stuff that we've that we've been dealing with and especially John and some stuff that we haven't been dealing with so so well we we have recently hired someone to take care of that and so we need to pay for them and it and it's stuff that needs to be taken care of the website stuff and hosting stuff and and 
just a whole the taxes stuff and just a whole bunch it got of too big. little it's unreasonable for John to do everything. Right, with with his full time job and that was part of the reason why we had to stop doing Mormon expression because it was too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the but the need is still is still out there. So um, and it's we are a five hundred one c three. Everything that's uh, given will, is one hundred percent tax deductible. And now we know that Jesus appreciates the widow's mite. Yes. But the widow's mite's not going to help Whitefields. What about people for with modest means? How can they help? Actually, um, our steady income is built more on people giving three, five to one dollar a month. Um, and that that's where we do we do get b- bigger angel donors um which which does help especially when when we want to grow into new things but um we you know like um right now in the vip lounge there's a thousand you know a thousand people or we're coming up on a thousand people and that that's grow that the vip lounge only been around for 13 months so that's wow. true so if, wait what what did you say 10,000 so if everybody paid 10 dollars there we it, go if everybody, if everybody in the VIP lounge gave ten dollars, then we would have ten thousand. Then our administrator you know. would be so, paid for for the year. So, 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 and 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 what we want to do is, it's not what we want to sunk sink money into our own administrative costs. The reason we made the decision to go ahead and hire an administrator is saying there's this need out there, and we have the corporate structure in place. We've 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 gone through all the work. We've we've got the tax status. We've we've got all that stuff. How can we take this and grow it? And we're looking. For ways we can we can meet these these needs, and um, you know things like things like Las Vegas. It's not like you shouldn't think we're that you're donating money so we can send people to Las Vegas. But we do need to pay people time to rent buses and get that those, those things arranged. But it's not like it's paying for you know hotel rooms or anything like that. We're very fr- we're very frugal with our money, and we actually have our last three quarters of statements. We need to. Pr- but I just been too busy to do it. That's one of the things that the so <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's important for a lot, to some do. people's to see yeah. Yeah, right. to have that you know clarity and know okay, am I paying for John's you know dinner Booze. whatever so with Chris <laughs> or is he you know what I'm saying? So but but I'll I'll say this to to, to ex Mormons even if you are paying for my dinner, um, that that's sort of the way things work. Um, there's this expectation of free that's out there that I need to dispel. That 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 things cost money, right? And and I, I don't because I don't think that the ex Mormons or whoever go in and they are about to buy a Twinkie and they say, "Wait a minute, you can't buy the CEO, anymore. Um, no Twinkies, no Starbucks." Wait okay, a minute, just, the just. CEO of this has a helicopter, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and he lives in a you know, like why am I giving my money that? But but I have seen, I, and especially this hasn't been aimed at me as much, but it's been aimed at John DeLynn a lot. And hey, John DeLynn does not take a lot of money, but John DeLynn can take a modest income, and people throw a tizzy fit over that. But I can tell you the amount of work. At the height of Mormon expression, I was doing 30 to 40 hours a week um, on top of my full-time job. And then if, if, and then if I expense a Subway sandwich, people seem to get bad out of shape. But, you know, the, 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 the band lift. never the, done. The, but, no. The but, band but, but you should. You know, if you're working through lunch, I don't know. That's just how how things work. I, but that's I, your point. My, my point is that things to get done, take resources. And, and a matter of fact, I would rather everybody than give us money. I'd rather them go out and build something, yeah. build their own community. Absolutely. That's, that's the preferable. But here we have, we have a chance to do something. And my challenge to all the ex Mormons, as we've been talked about what we've collectively been through. And, and if you're still listening now, <laughs> I tell my NPR, um, <laughs> 20 more minutes. On our- 
but but it does it does that that's what it takes it takes all of us to go in and repair the situation that that we're in and build a community that we need and don't just do it blindly come to some of the functions that you guys have i mean it's scary to go because you might not know anyone but everyone every time we've gone everyone is so welcoming and so ready to help you know and it's amazing how much just talking to someone can help your own situation and help you feel better about where you're at it it turns it turns people around and i have met some of the closest and the the the, the people who i really consider my family mm-hmm. the the that i i love my family but there's this distance caused by religion and there's people that, that, that I, I really love, and I've met them all through either things that we've put on or things that other people put on. That they, They've all been through this medium of ex-Mormonism mm-hmm. that somebody else has done. Mm-hmm. And, and it's we, like we're all veterans, right? I mean, it's like veterans can sit in a room and say, oh, you did that, yeah, and no words can be explained. But mm-hmm. right. if you're a veteran of Mormonism, then, I mean, there's that same cathartic experience. Right. Yeah. Same. And it is healing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, uh, I mean... There's no obligation as far as people like I called John the other day to have him come help me move a bunch of heavy stuff, and he did it. And did Took he do out my it? Garbage is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know why did he do it? He did it because he 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 cared enough to do it, not because you know whatever else. Yeah, he's my home teacher. Whatever he did it because he actually <laughs> cares to do it. You know, and I guess that's probably true with a lot of people that are still in the church. But when you're outside of the church, there's no question. That's true. And when we first went into um, Davis County, I think there was this remnants of a group that no no one. There were dead emails. It it was like it was like something out of like um, Lord of the Rings, like this ancient civilization. There have been generations and generations of ex Mormons that have developed their their society, made friends, and then moved moved on. And I've oftentimes fantasized. If we could all get together into a big pile of bodies, that'd be that'd be hot. No, wow, if, okay. I, 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 you have if, my attention. If, if you could, if we could pull just all of it together for one time, I mean the the the, the, the brilliance of these the people energy. and the energy, mm-hmm. but people have moved on. And if we can somehow somehow battle against that natural entropy we 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 all have and pay it forward just a little bit, just yeah. a tiny bit. I think we've made the point. Um, any <laughs> any last any last thoughts? I just want to thank you guys for everything that you've put on for us. You know, it's it's literally changed my life, and I'm much happier because of your efforts. So thank you. And I'll say, Heather, the first time you came out, <laughs> and it's, it is it is scary, isn't it? Yes, it is because you don't know what to expect, and this is all new, and you don't know. It's different to be judged. For who you are, rather than your what you calling. believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The first time I went to an event, I sat in the car for ten minutes, texting my friend, trying to get up the courage. But I went, and two seconds later, three different people came up and talked to me, and it was—it's awesome. And you're not lonely, and we're not alone. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, this this is my first event with any ex Mormons, like, and this is. I mean, I, I was standing on the doorstep until Rich came up and shook my hand. It's like, do I want to go in? Oh, there's people. Are they coming in? Are they going to walk by? What's going on? So it's the hardest part that we're all naked. Got- <laughs> that, that was a little weird. Leave your clothes at the door. <laughs> um, but no, I, yeah, I want to thank John, too, and Zilpha. I mean, this is – I definitely sucked on John's teat, and I'm proud of it. And I really, I'm, I'm really looking forward to paying it forward. Like, I'm, I'm all for it, and I'm re- ready to help people. All right. Well, awesome. Excellent. 
Well, as always, the discussion continues on the website at mormonexpression.com. You can check us out there. Um, check us out on Facebook. You can join the VIP Lounge. Just search for Mormon Expression VIP Lounge. There's always fascinating discussion going on there. And I hear there's a naughty, there's a naughty there's adult a naughty group. naughty no-no one. That <laughs> I if, heard about the naughty If no, you no learn one. the secret knock, you can get into the, the <laughs> you can get into the, the adult group. And there are resources all around. Check out the Mormon stories. Check out post-Mormon. Check out New Order Mormon. There's things um, all over the place that are, that are happening. Local groups um, and of, of, of the, the um, most awesome people you ever meet in your life. Yeah. If you need help or just want to say hi to anyone, just shoot us an email too. Yeah. yeah any, any one of us. We're all here. Yep. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Should I not say motherfucker? I've never no. said that on the podcast. I've never said that on the podcast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah.